Good morning. Happy New Year. Ever thought about how we say that? Happy New Year. We're wishing for one another that this next year will be a good one. Happy. We don't just say happy day or happy year. We say happy new year. Interesting how we use those words. There's something about the idea of of a new year that is encouraging, isn't it? That word new is one of those words in our language that's just kind of appealing to us. If you're a child, there's the eagerness of a new toy or a, uh, a new bicycle. If you're a teenager, there is the anticipation and the excitement of maybe a, a new phone or uh, a new boyfriend or a new girlfriend or, or maybe even a new car. If you're an adult, there's the idea of a new job or a new home or a new marriage or a new baby or if you're a grandfather or near grandfather, a new baby, you know, a new grandbaby. And you, by the way, you guys will be happy to know that I got a new watch for Christmas. <laughs> now, that don't mean anything, but I got one. It'll probably operate just like the old watch did. For all of us, all of us here today, this is the first day of a new year. But wouldn't it be great if this could also be the first day of a new life? Wouldn't that be wonderful? I mean, if you look at the calendar today, it says on the calendar, look on your phone or just look on a regular paper calendar or whatever. If you look on the calendar today, it says January 1. I love the fact that on January 1, on the first day of a new year, we're in church. I love the idea that on January 1, we're starting out the year worshiping with God. But my question for you today is, what are you going to do with the other 364 days this year? Now, you've gotten a good start. You're here today. But what are you going to do with the other 364 days? You see, God is good and God is gracious. Because every year, He gives us a chance to have a new year the next time. I don't know about you, but every 365 days, I need to start over. About every 12 months, I need to try again. And do you understand that this concept of starting over and trying again and having a new year really started with God? I want to show you something very interesting. This is not my main text today, but I hope you'll find it interesting. I want you to start out with me in Genesis chapter 1, verse 14. Genesis chapter 1, verse 14. God knew that we would all need some fresh starts, and He came up with the idea. Genesis chapter 1, verse 14 says this, And God said, Let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them serve as signs to mark the seasons the days and years. See, it was God's idea to have a, a time that marks the seasons, a time that marks the days, a, a time that marks the years. It was God's idea. He came up with the concept of an annual new year. He created the sun and the moon, and He gave them their instructions, and 
And some cultures operate on a lunar calendar, some operate on a solar calendar, but all over the world people understand that we have a new year in front of us. And God came up with that idea. Now, Lord willing, in 2017 we'll have 12 new months, 52 new weeks, 365 new days, and every one of those will be a gift from God. But on this first day of this new year, here's what I want to ask you. What are you going to do with them? I've got to ask you a question for you to consider. Is there anything in your life that you need to change so that 2017 will be better than 2016? As you look at the new year ahead of you, is there anything in your life that you need to change so that 2017 will be better than 2016? Maybe I can ask it this way. What do you need to do differently so that you can live differently? It's a good question, isn't it? What do you need to do differently so that you can live differently? Do you know the definition of insanity? You've heard this, haven't you? It's attributed to Albert Einstein. We're not sure if he's some, I'm not sure if he said it or not. Some people say Ben Franklin said it. I don't know who said it, but somebody tell me, what's the definition of insanity? Yeah, in case you couldn't hear, understand what they were saying, let me tell you. Insanity is doing the same thing over and over, expecting different results. But for some of you, doesn't that describe what 2016 was like? Doing the same thing over and over, but expecting, hoping for different results? You know, I fear that for some of you, 2017 will simply be a repeat of 2016. I'll say it one more time. I fear for you that for some of you, 2017 will simply be a repeat of 2016. I'm not trying to be mean about it, but I just want you to understand something. There's a reason that 2017 may be a repeat of 2016. And the reason is this. I believe that for some of you, maybe a lot of you, you're going to be dragging 2016 into the new year. The problems, the struggles, the difficulties that you had last year, they're still there for a lot of you. The issues you struggled with last year, they're still there. And yes, this is a new day. And yes, this is a new year. But it's going to be the same old results for you if you keep dragging into this new year the things you struggled with last year. Now, you can have the greatest of intentions, and you can make all kinds of resolutions, and you can say, I'm going to try different, or try harder, and I'm going to live differently, and I'm going to do this, and I'm, I'm going to do that. But, but in reality, if all you're doing is trying harder, making resolutions, knowing that something needs to change, but if you don't deal with what was in 2016, you're simply dragging it into another year. And it's going to be the same. You know, Jennifer Garner has made a commercial where she, I'm sure she's making a lot of money. Uh, she asked a question, it's a Capital One commercial, and she asked this question, what's in your wallet? What I'd like to ask you today and through the month of January is this, what's in your box? This month we're going to start a new series. That's the title of the series, What's in Your Box? 
what's in that box that you haven't dealt with yet? What is in that box that you're going to be dragging into a new year, hoping somehow the new year is going to be better? Insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over, expecting different results. So what's in your box? What is it that's holding you down? What is it that you're struggling with? What is it that might be an issue for you? Well, there's all kinds of things I'm sure that we could, we could talk about, but maybe the thing that's holding you back, maybe the thing that you're struggling with right now is disappointment. 2016 just didn't turn out the way that you hoped it would. You, you hoped that you'd get that job. You hoped that maybe... Uh, you'd get pregnant, you, you hope that, that perhaps your married, I mean your, your adult son or daughter would come back to the Lord. You, you prayed that all of that would be different. You prayed that things would get better, and they really haven't. And you're dragging into next year disappointment. Or it may be that for you, the thing that's in your box is shame. When you look back over 2016, you know you should have done better. You know you should have lived differently. But you were vulnerable, weren't you? There was that time, there was that place, and you wish it had never happened, but it did. You wish you had made a different decision, but you didn't. You wish you didn't have to struggle with this sin, but you do. This is not the person you want to be. And as you start into 2017, the thing that's in your box probably, the thing that you're going to be dragging into a new year, is shame. Or maybe for you, the issue is unforgiveness. For some of you, perhaps, you've been nursing a grudge this past year. And in fact, your box probably shouldn't even be labeled 2016. It probably should be labeled 2012. Maybe 2010. Because there was this person who hurt you, they said something against you, and for months or maybe for years, there's been unforgiveness in your heart. And the very thought of forgiving them for what they did, forgiving them for what they said, well, it just makes you angry. I mean, how do you forgive somebody that you hate? And I'm going to tell you something, if you don't deal with this, you're going to be dragging it into 2017 expecting different results. And closely related to that one is this one, bitterness. Somebody said bitterness is unforgiveness fermented. Uh, that's a pretty good definition. In 2016, somebody hurt you. In 2016, somebody left you. In 2016, somebody betrayed you. In 2016, somebody divorced you. And your anger towards them continues to grow. Your resentment towards them continues to grow, and you've become a bitter person. Because you're, you're blaming them. You're blaming them. You keep blaming them. And you're going to drag that into 2017, doing the same thing day after day, week after week, month after month, expecting different results. Maybe the thing that's in your box would simply label it as struggles. It's a sin you can't let go of. 
It's an addiction you can't conquer. It's a marriage you can't fix. It's a memory that haunts you. Uh, there's all kinds of things we could put under this label of struggles. Uh, maybe it's a struggle to, to, to deal with a memory that, that's just always there. Maybe, it, maybe it's the struggle uh, to, to forgive somebody across the aisle from you. But, but it's this struggle that you have. Or maybe it's a silent struggle that nobody else knows about and you wouldn't dare tell anybody about. Maybe it's an ongoing sin, a conquering sin in your life. Maybe it's an addiction. But there's the struggle. And that struggle has been in your box in 2016. That's, that, that struggle has been a big part of your year this past year. And you're hoping 2017 will be better. You want 2017 to be different. You need 2017 to be different. But if you keep doing the same things over and over and over, expecting different results, all that you're doing is dragging those things into another year. I did a little research on Google, and I found out that there are if you look up, why don't people keep the resolutions? I googled that. Why don't people keep the resolutions? Guess how many results I got back. It was over 39 million. I promise you. In fact, to be, to be accurate, it was 39,100,000 results. I really wasn't that surprised at that because, you see, there's at least 39 million people in the world who say, let me tell you something. <laughs> I've tried and it didn't work. Uh, Probably more than 39 million people. We've all had those experiences, haven't we? Where we made a resolution, we had good intentions, we wanted it to be better, we wanted it to be different, and it didn't change. 39 million people said, no, that that doesn't work. So here's what I want to ask you today. What do you need to do differently in order to live differently? It's a good question. If, you, if all you do is make a resolution, you're going to keep dragging that box behind you all through 2017. I'm not against resolutions. Go ahead and make some if you want to make it, but, but if that's all you do, I, I promise you that's not going to be enough. What do you need to do differently in order to live differently? Would you open God's Word with me now to Philippians chapter 3? For the next few minutes, we're going to look at that question. Philippians chapter 3. I I can tell you now, we won't get through it all, but thankfully we're going to be looking at this issue throughout the month of January. What's in your box? And what do you need to do differently in order to live differently? Philippians chapter 3. I really want to encourage you to take some notes, and and I'm going to kind of speed my way through this and uh, try to help us all understand what we need to do differently. But but I want you to take some notes because we're going to go quickly, and and I want you to be able to go back to it. Philippians chapter 3. What do you need to do differently in order to live differently? Well, Paul would say this. Number one, recognize how much you need Jesus. That's the reason I appreciated what Joshua was saying because I thought, man, that's exactly what I'm going to be preaching about in a moment. How much we need Jesus. So so let's look at the text. Philippians chapter 3. Just make some commentary as I work my way through it here for a moment. Philippians chapter 3 verse 1. Finally, brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It's no trouble for me to write the same thing to you again. 
it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. And he's talking about, uh, about the Jews who said that the way that, that, that you experience salvation is that you have to, you, uh, have to become a Jew, you, you have to follow the laws, and, and all of these kind of things. Uh, you have to be circumcised. That's why he calls them mutilators of the flesh. Uh, Paul says, For it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, and get ready to mark something. Who glory in Christ Jesus, and mark this, and who put no confidence in the flesh. You see that? Now Paul's talking primarily about salvation here, but the concept is true throughout our whole lives. Who put no confidence in the flesh. You see, you will either, watch this, you will either boast in Jesus or you will boast in what you can do. You'll either trust in Jesus or you'll trust in what you can do. You'll either lean on Jesus or you'll lean on what you can do. And so Paul says, let me tell you about my life. Let me tell you about my experience. Paul says, I've come to the point where I recognize I'm not going to put any confidence in the flesh. Now that phrase, no confidence in the flesh, it simply means this. He recognized his weak human nature. Am I talking to anybody today? Do you understand what it means to have a weak human nature? Sure you do, because you've been dragging around this box of junk all year long. And you've tried to do it better. And you've tried to live differently. And you tried to change these things. And you tried to stop these things. But you keep doing it, don't you? You keep getting defeated by it. You can't turn loose of it. You can't fix it. You simply... You simply can't. But you keep trying. And you keep saying, I'll do better. And you keep saying, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to lick it. I'm going to conquer it. And that's why you're still dragging it around. That's why you're still dragging it around. You see, the Apostle Paul in another place, he, he didn't say, I can do all things. He said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. You will either boast in what you can do or you'll boast in what Jesus can do. You'll either boast in how you conquered it or you'll boast in how Jesus conquered it. And if you can't conquer it, if it's still in your box from last year, guess what? You need Jesus. You need Jesus. Paul says, I put no confidence in the flesh. And then he goes on to describe it this way. Uh, He says, verse 4, though I myself have reason for such confidence. He said, if you really want to talk about boasting, let me explain to you why I could have confidence. He says, if anyone thinks he has himself to put confidence in, or has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. And he describes who he used to be before he came to Christ. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, fault. Faultless. Now, in case you're not a Bible scholar, you, don't, you, you say, what in the world does all that mean? Paul was simply saying this. There was a time in, in my life where I tried to do it myself. And I tried to exceed and excel. And, there was, and as far as the man's viewpoint, I pretty much made it. From man's viewpoint, I, I pretty much did everything I needed to do. I was the head of my class. I was number one in sales. I was, I was just everything. 
I was, I was everything. But then he realized this. Even though I was everything, it really was nothing. Look how he describes it in this text. He goes on to say, verse 7, But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Look at that. For what is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of what? What's the next two words? Of what? Of knowing Christ. Of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things, and I consider them rubbish, that I may gain Christ. There's that word again, Christ. And be found in Him, in Jesus, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in, say it with me, faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God and is by faith, not by my goodness, but by faith. And here's what he says, I want to know who? Christ and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in His sufferings and becoming like Him in His death and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. In other words, Paul says this, I came to a point in my life where I recognized how much I need Jesus. And then my perspective changed. And once I came to know Jesus, He's all I wanted to know. Once I came to trust Jesus, He's all I wanted to trust. I put no confidence in the flesh, but now I trust Jesus. Now, listen to me. I've got to ask you a question. If you want to deal with what's in the box, are you willing to start where you need to start? And where you need to start is this. Do you have an ongoing relationship with Jesus Christ? You see, the way Paul described it, and I challenge you to read it again. We don't have time to dig into it. But the way Paul described it, he was describing a present tense experience, or I'm sorry, a present tense reality rather than a past tense experience. He's not just pointing back to the day when he was 11 years old and he walked down the aisle of a Baptist church and he got saved. No, Paul is describing a present tense reality. I want to know Christ. And the power of his fellowship. Just read the text again. And he's talking about this present tense reality, not just a past tense experience. So, if there's something in your box and you say, man, I I just got to get rid of this. I just got to somehow deal with this. I've just got to somehow conquer this. I want a better 2017. It starts here. You need to recognize how much, how desperately you need Jesus. Listen to me on a daily basis. Amen? Here's the second thing. Number two, take an honest look at your relationship with God. Paul goes on to do that. Take an honest look at your relationship with God. Notice how he describes it here. Verse 12, not that I have already obtained all of this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. These are not the words of an idealistic young person. These are the words of the Apostle Paul, a man who had been a Christian by the time he wrote this, had been a Christian for about 30 years. He had been on three missionary journeys. He had taken the gospel all over the known world at that time. He had planted churches everywhere. He had been a missionary. He wrote this letter when he was in prison because of his faith. So this was a man who was absolutely committed. This is a man who could probably, well not probably, who would have put all of us to shame. Oh, well, let me, take a, let me take a poll. Anybody here say, no, I got Paul beat. 
No, he, he would have put all of us to shame. And yet, listen to what he says. Not that I have already obtained all of this, or have already been made perfect. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Paul says, as he evaluated his own life, I still don't have it all together. I'm still not where I need to be or want to be. I still have a long way to grow. I'm really challenged by Paul's honesty and his personal spiritual evaluation. I wonder, when was the last time you really sat down with just your Bible and maybe a pen and a paper and, and the Lord, and you, you thought, where am I in my relationship with God? How long has it been since you've done that? Where do I need to change? Maybe it's time that you go back with your pen and your paper and your Bible, just quietly with no one else around, open the box, and say, Lord, what do I need to do differently? in order to live differently? God, what do I need to change in 2017? There's a Chinese proverb that says, if we don't change the direction we're going, we're likely to end up where we're headed. That's true. If you're going to pursue Christ with passion, never be satisfied with where you are right now. In fact, I want you to get ready to mark something again. Get your pen or pencil handy. This is, going to be, this is going to be gold for some of you. Brothers, verse 13, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself, get, mark this word, yet. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. The honesty and the humility in those words is encouraging, but also I love the passion in that word. I do not consider myself yet to have taken I've not given up. I'm still going after it. Paul was saved, but he wasn't satisfied with where he was in his walk with God. Listen, if you want to start out the new year right, then take time to do an honest evaluation of where you are with God right now. Number three, don't be manipulated by your memories. Look what he says in verse 13. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do... Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Paul says if he's, going to call, if he's going to be all that God wants him to be, he's not going to waste any more time on yesterday. Everybody look up here. The reason that 2017 is not going to be different for you is because you're so focused on what happened yesterday. What happened last week, what happened last month, what happened last year. Paul says, forgetting what is, what's that next word? Forgetting what is what? Behind. And straining toward what is ahead. Wouldn't it be good if you could do that? But here's the way a lot of you are coming to church. Well, I hope next year will be better. <laughs> I, I know there's some things that I want to do and I'm going to turn over a new leaf, and I, I've got these resolutions, and I'm going to start reading my Bible more, and I'm going to... What's in your box? What's in your box that you haven't dealt with? Listen to me. You've got to let go of the past so that you can focus on the present and what God wants to do in your future. 
You, Paul says, forgetting what is behind. You say, Pastor, how do I do that? Well, part of that we're going to be talking about in this series this month. But, but basically, the word forget doesn't mean to erase it from your memory because that's not possible. Forget means, to, it means this, to no longer be influenced or affected by those memories. To no longer be influenced or affected by that hurt. To no longer be influenced or affected by that betrayal. To no longer be influenced or affected by that temptation. Forget means that it no longer controls you. It no longer has power over you. It no longer manipulates you. You can learn from the past without dwelling on the past. You can forget what is behind. And in this series, we're going to be talking about how you do that. Number four, let me get to this quickly. I love this part. Keep striving for what God wants for your life. Keep striving for what God wants for your life. Verse 13 to 14, actually beginning in verse 12, Paul uses a word two different times. Uh, he, he mentions the same word twice in this text. Paul says, I press on. He does it in verse 12 and he does it in verse 14. Look in verse 12. Not that I've already obtained all this or have already been made perfect. I, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Verse 14, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. The phrase press on means I don't give up. I keep up the chase. I go for it with all that I've got. That's the way you could translate that word. I press on. You see, if you're going to deal with what's in your box, can I tell you something? It's going to take more than inspiration. It's going to take more than perspiration. It's going to sometimes take plain old determination. You're going to have to press on. Keep striving for what God wants in your life. Sometimes the progress will be slow. Sometimes the improvements will not be as quickly as you wanted. And you'll be tempted to ask yourself, what's the use? But what if? What if you decided to keep going? What if you decided not to quit when things are painful? What if you decided to keep striving for a better day? Paul says in verse 12, I press on. And I love the way he describes it. Picturesque language. He says, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Paul is saying, I'm not just pressing on trying to make it through another week. I'm not just pressing on trying to make it through another month or another year. He says, I'm pressing on trying to... Do more than make it through my circumstances. I'm pressing on with a bigger goal than that. And the bigger goal is this. I want to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. You know what he's talking about? He was thinking back in Acts chapter 9 to that time when he was saved. He was going back to his conversion experience in Acts chapter 9 on the Damascus Road. And Paul recognized there was a reason he saved me then. He had a purpose for my life when he saved me then. And, and I'm pressing on because I want to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I, in other words, I want to accomplish His purpose and His plan for my life. Now, can I tell you something? God has a purpose and a plan for your life too. God has a purpose and there was a reason He saved you. And when He saved you, He had a vision of what He wanted to do in your life. He had a vision of what He wanted to do with your life. But one of the reasons that that, that vision is not being accomplished is simply because... You're still holding on instead of pressing on. You're holding on to those hurts. You're holding on to those struggles. You're, you're holding on to that, forgive, that unforgiveness. You're holding on to that bitterness. You're holding on instead of pressing on. You see, here's the goal, ladies and gentlemen. Wouldn't it be wonderful? Let me get over here. 
Wouldn't it be wonderful? Wouldn't it be, watch this. Wouldn't it be wonderful in 2017 if you could do this? And really leave it behind. Just think what a difference that would make in your life. Think how 2017 would be absolutely better and different if you could do that. So the question is, are you going to keep dragging it behind you? Or are you going to press on to accomplish that for which Christ Jesus took hold of you? Would you simply say, listen, I believe God's got a bigger vision for my life than simply getting even. I believe God's got a bigger vision for my life than continually struggling with that addiction. I've got, I believe God's got a vision and a purpose for my life. And if you'll make God's goal for your life, your goal for your life, 2017 can indeed be different. See, here's what you don't want to do. You don't want to get to the end of 2017 still doing this. You don't want to come to the end of, the end of this new year still doing this. I want for you. I want for you to be able to do that. I want for you to be able to walk away from it and say, I am going to pursue Jesus Christ. I'm going to pursue that for which He took hold of me. I'm going to strive for what is in front of me rather than worry over what is behind me. I am going to pursue His call in my life. I'm going to tell you something. Most of us, maybe all of us, but most of us will get at least one knockdown punch in life. Maybe a death, a divorce, a disease, a wayward child, an addiction, broken marriage. Most of us will have at least, not one, at least one, many probably more than that, but most of us will have at least one knockout punch in life. And what you have to do in those times is press on. If you're going to passionately pursue Jesus, you can't stop when life gets hard. If you're going to passionately pursue Jesus, you can't stop when life is discouraging. If you're going to passionately pursue Jesus in 2017, if it's going to be different than 2016, you're going to have to say this. I want to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. I believe he's got a plan and a purpose for my life, and I will pursue that above all else. So let me ask you a question. What's in your box? What's in your box? I want you to pray with me about that. Would you bow your heads? I don't know what's in your box, but would you, would you decide today to let Jesus help you deal with it? Would you decide today that whatever those struggles are from 2016, that by God's grace and with God's help, 
you'll forget what is behind and strain toward what is ahead. I like that word strain that Paul uses. Just listen to it. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Paul understood it's not going to be easy. It's going to take determination. It's going to, it's going to take a commitment on your part to let Jesus be Lord of your life. You're going to have to make some hard decisions. It might be embarrassing to admit your struggles. Straining toward what is ahead, though, is how you have a better year. Straining toward what is ahead is how you start doing things differently so that you can start living differently. Paul summarizes it all in verse 14 when he says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Whatever's in your box, will you let Jesus help you deal with it? Stop dragging it around. It's time to let go of it. It's time to be done with it. It's time for a new year and a new you. So in this invitation, as soon as we start to stand, even before we sing, or you can come even now, you just get on this altar and say, God, I just want to surrender to Jesus. I know I've got these problems and these hurts and these struggles, but I just got to start here. I want to surrender to Jesus. For some of you, it's surrendering to Jesus for the first time. You, you don't know Him like Paul was describing where he says, I want to know Christ. And I've, I've lost everything else so I can know Jesus. Some of you, that's where life begins to change. Is you first have to come to relationship, into a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so would you come today believing not in your flesh and the goodness the, that you can produce and the good things you can accomplish, but would you come today trusting in Christ as Paul describes it? Putting no confidence in the flesh, but putting all confidence in Jesus, what he did on the cross as he died for your sins. Putting your faith in that, that's where some of you need to start. Surrendering to Christ for the first time. Others of you need to surrender to Christ again. Time to rededicate your life and to say, Lord... There was a reason you took hold of me. There was a reason you saved me. And I want to strive to accomplish that reason for which you took hold of me. I want 2017 to be the year that I focus on Jesus and what he wants to do in and through my life rather than focusing on all of this junk that's been in my box in 2016. Let this be the year you focus on Jesus. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray. May you be honored and glorified through it all. And may you give us victories that we can accomplish. And I pray that in Christ's name. Amen.